Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Interruptions. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we call our podcast Interruptions because we believe that there's this magical space between an incident or something occurring and our reaction to that incident or occurrence. We call that space, that time in between the occurrence and the response, the interruption. So we on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team believe that if you have the appropriate tools to engage positively during that interruption, that's when magic can happen and we can yield the positive results that we all want. So today's episode, we are beginning to wrap up our Love GT series. We've been taking a deep dive into our Institute values through conversations with many community members. Today, we will dig deeper into a topic that's come up as we've explored many of our values. And the idea here is to help our community members further embody or live our values every day or love our values every day. Um, but before I reveal the actual topic, I'd like to invite our guests for today to introduce themselves. Today, I'm super fortunate to have Sonia Elvarez Robinson and Diamond Ford here with me. Um, Sonia, could you take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my formal role is leading Georgia Tech Strategic Consulting, and I've been here for nine years. And in that role, I have the honor of being part of a team that helps leaders envision the future and pursue it. Uh, we do strategy development, process improvement, organizational design, change management, and portfolio and project management. I came to Georgia Tech from PricewaterhouseCoopers, PwC, where I was a management consultant there. And my doctorate is in human and organizational systems, which is really understanding how do you create an environment where people can thrive and be their best every day. And uh, those are the things that get me excited. And that's why this topic is super important to me. I love it. I have had the privilege of working with Sonia for some time now, and I call her the calm in the middle of the storm. It's like, no matter what's going on, she shows up just like this. And I love it. I'm trying to learn how to do that. <laughs> so thank you, Sonia. Um, Diamond, welcome. Hello, everyone. My name is Diamond Ford. I am currently the Senior Director of Employee Experience in GTHR. So my primary role is to really investigate, look at, and think about strategies and opportunities to support the employee to have a positive experience at work from the time that they are interested in coming to GTHR or coming to the Institute until the time that they transition. So we look at the fabric of um, meaningful work, um, well-being at work, strong management, things like that, that really provide a positive experience. And we know that 70% of the um, engagement level is predicated on whether or not um, teams are engaged and whether or not our managers are leading and leading strongly. And so that is really the focus and intent of the work. Um, we have three departments within employee experience. So we have engagement. And so thinking about how do we engage employees on a consistent basis, what's important to them in terms of remaining engaged? How do you thrive at work and well-being? And what are some initiatives and programmings that we can kind of encourage and also provide? And then employer brand, building the employer brand so that we can 
tell great things about what it is to work at Georgia Tech and then also kind of amplify that messaging. Um, so those are some big things that we're doing in employee experience. It's a new department here and we're excited to kind of launch into the work. Awesome. Thank you, Diamond. But before we jump in, I just like to ask Diamond, <laughs> can you tell us like one good thing that's happened to you in the last seven days? Um, I would say, you know, I've uh, personally um, and just how it's kind of affected me in my overall day is that for about a year, uh, my mother was overseas and we just welcomed her back home. She was overseas for a full year, helping to take care of um, a family member. And so that's a great thing that's happened to me personally. But how it impacts me day to day is now I have that network that's so important um, you know, that sounding board, I think that's important for everyone to have. And so that's a, a fun thing that's happened over the last seven days. So that's a personal thing that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Welcome back, Mama. We're happy to have you back. Uh, Sonia, you got anything good that's happened in the last seven days? I do. So we just returned from Puerto Rico. Uh, my colleague, Michelle, and I went to uh, help one of our research leaders as they're um, creating a new national center on landslides and ground failure geohazards in, in Puerto Rico is one of the uh, places uh, on the, on, in the world that has experienced a lot of tragic landslides where the loss of life, the loss of property, uh, the, the loss of the way of life has been catastrophic, uh, primarily, you know, following the hurricane, Hurricane Maria. Maria, but other, even just rainfalls. Um, and so it was a real privilege to partner with this team of researchers led by Dr. Rafael Bras as they're envisioning creating a space where we can bring good science to the community to help people prepare for and address uh, these threats that uh, are, are major. And, and being Puerto Rican myself, you know, just being there and seeing this is for my people. And um, it, it was very, very enriching and a wonderful experience. And of course, Puerto Rico, when it's not a hurricane, is a fantastic place to visit. Yes, I was in Puerto Rico for New Year's and it was amazing. <laughs> awesome. That sounds like insightful work. Um, so our topic today for our listeners, we're going to delve into this idea of psychological safety. And so just to level set for us all, um, Diamond, do you want to start us with a definition? How do you define psychological safety? I think personally for me, it's um, as an individual showing up to work, do I have the ability to speak up and say what's on my mind without fear of any type of reprisal? Um, can I offer um, my ideas? Is it okay to express you know, fears and, and concerns? Um, being able to learn in a space where collaboration and innovation is welcomed. And I'm free to kind of uh, give my best self at work and show up as who I am. You know, I shared a little bit, you know, I'm glad my mother came back, you know, being able to do that safely without anyone thinking otherwise about, about what that means or being vulnerable to say, you know, I have a sounding board now to talk to. And, and that just means to me that coming to work is, are those things that I, I can feel safe that I can feel safe to speak up, that I can have an opportunity to be innovative and, and share my ideas and, and rewards and risk is rewarded. And it's not something that, um, that I can shy away from. So that's, that's my interpretation. 
Awesome. Thank you for that, Diamond. Sonia, would you add anything? And then if you, as you add to that, can you talk a little bit about sort of how this work has started to surface as we've done this values work here at Tech? I love the definition uh, that you offer, Diamond. And I would add that it's also our ability to bring our truth, the truth about ourselves, the truth about how we're feeling, the truth about what we know, uh, to be able to ask questions, to get clarification. At the end of the day, a person can't feel valued if they don't feel safe. And if you don't feel valued, then you're not going to give your best self. And so when we think about employee engagement as the degree to which we give our discretionary effort, then psychological safety is a critical part of that. We came to this work as part of our Living Our Values Every Day initiative, recognizing that our values and our ability to model the values and to consistently act in a way that demonstrates our commitment to our values relies on us creating safe spaces. So it's not enough to just say these are our values, but what do we do with that? How does that show up? And where there is inconsistence or incongruence, to create a space where people can raise their hand and say, wait a minute, I need some clarification. I'll give you an example, right? So one of our values is we strive for excellence. Another of our values is we cultivate well-being. Sometimes if we are striving for excellence, the level of expectation can be set at a standard that may not allow the flexibility to recognize and acknowledge that people have lives inside and outside of work and that we are not separate people, but we bring our whole selves to the work. So having a cultivating well-being doesn't mean that we have to compromise excellence. It means that we need to be able to have meaningful, authentic conversations about where our standards of excellence may be counter to what we're trying to create in terms of well-being. That's just one example. But there are multiple of those potential intersections, and it's in those intersections that we have opportunity for ad addressing those, talking through them. Another one is freedom of inquiry and expression. The other value, we value uh, diversity and inclusion. Freedom of inquiry and expression doesn't mean that you can say things that may be harmful or exclusionary to other individuals who are not like you. So if we find ourselves in these intersections to be able to create spaces where we can work through them, where we can talk through them. And one of the best examples that continues, continues to come to the fore is as we, as an institution, continue to strive to do, to resolve longstanding operational um, inefficiencies or, you know, create new things or stand up. There's a lot of change that's happening. And change by nature facilitates anxiety and fear, particularly when there's not clarity of what that change is leading to or how we're going to get there. How does it impact me? So psychological safety is critical in those moments to be able to raise our hand and say, I don't understand. What does this mean for me? Or I can't do 
10 more things. I already have 50 things you've given me. And this is where we see psychological safety playing out in very real day-to-day examples. Yeah, I have a question to press in a little bit more to sort of where you started, Sonia, with the definition and adding to um, the information that Diamond shared with us. You said something about being able to bring your truth, right? And so when we think about our values, typically our values, you know, whether or not they're aligned with the organizational values or not, they typically are what drives our behavior, right? And so if our values drive our behavior and we are made up of so many different experiences because we have such a diverse population of people on our campus, my truth may look different from your truth. And so any thoughts about how we reconcile that in a productive way in the workspace? Yeah, I'm happy to start and then invite Diamond to, to add her thoughts to this as well. I mean, that is that um, productive discourse is central to progress. Innovation happens where we bring different points of view. Progress happens where people can bring those differences. And so two people's truth isn't always the same. And this is where psychological safety to know that I can put my thoughts and my views on the table. And so can you. And they don't have to be the same. In fact, if they're not, that helps us find new discoveries. But only if that's done in a way that is healthy and productive. And this is the work that Diamond and I have been doing around fostering and facilitating understanding of psychological safety and helping to equip leaders so that they can help to broker and facilitate those kinds of discourse and conversations within their groups. I like this um, illustration that I've used a couple of times where people are blindfolded, but they're feeling on the same elephant. And I may approach that elephant and fill on the trunk and say, this is what I'm coming is what I feel and what I see or what I'm sensing or what I, but I believe this is what I am touching, but we all don't know it's an elephant, but I'm touching different parts and every person is giving their perspective of what they think they're touching. And so I think what's important when you come into a space where there's multiple perspectives, there's multiple ideas that we really do have to honor and appreciate what you're telling me, right? And then create a space to what Sonia is saying is that's safe for us to have that. And I think the vehicle in which we do that is through having some specific and explicit norms that we have to be clear about how do we come to the table and share this information? Um, what's acceptable to say and what's acceptable not to say? Um, and that only comes when we are thoughtful about this is how we have conversations. This is how we have difficult conversations. This is what we do with the information. Um, so I think that thinking through how do we bring those perspectives is really thinking about the the environment. And again, creating that psychological safety for people to say, I'm touching this part of the elephant and this is how it looks to me. And I need you to hear me on that. And then I'm touching this part and this is what I see. Um, And then having that space where we can have those conversations. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading something recently and it said there's no capital T in truth, right? So as I learn and grow, you know, when I'm young in my career and I'm trying to figure stuff out, it's a capital T, that T is solid, right? But as I experience more things and I learn and I grow and I um, am embraced by a psychologically safe environment, it helps me to back off of that capital T a little bit and turn it into, you know, for analogy purposes, a lowercase T where I can be formed and shaped 
and share my visions and share my thoughts and hear the thoughts of others and then reshape what it is that we're learning. I, I love that, Latrice. And this is really about creating an openness to understanding not only intent, but also impact. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we have incorporated into our psychological safety uh, course that we've been co-leading is a discussion around programming. We all have a story and every one of us comes to our workplace experience as part of our journey. And we've got a lot of history behind us. And so the things that we draw from, that form our perceptions, that form our opinions, that form our truths, come from those things that we've been through. Uh, And oftentimes we associate our current situation by things that have happened in the past and that can be limiting. And so part of what we want to do is help people understand what that programming is, how that shapes and influences then how we come to these interactions with our colleagues so that we can break down those barriers and have a awareness of ourselves and the things that we need to understand about who we are and how we show up. Yeah, for sure. When people walk into an organization, they typically look to the left, look to the right, try to understand the culture, the norms, sort of what's the lay of the land, right? I'm trying to understand the the lay of the land. And and what we know for sure about Georgia Tech is you can enter one team and it look one way and you enter another team on the same campus and it is completely different. What are some key predictors that an environment is psychologically safe? What do people see? Like, what are the predictors that I can say, oh, feels like this might be a psychologically safe environment? I think some of the things, you know, coming in new and being probably, I've been here about six months. And some of the things that I kind of look for or think about, what do I see in a team or in an environment that will say, this is a psychologically safe environment is that status quo ideas are are challenged and, and it's okay. That there is not a quiet sense of going along to get along, that there is an agreed upon process to have productive struggle. And that dialogue about challenges and problems are the norm. They are welcome. Just because the position or title is there, that my idea is not the only idea in the room, and that there are opportunities for others to have ideas and offer information for a problem. That problems don't, aren't just perpetual and they just keep going, but there is a speaking up that this is a problem and how do we solve it? So I think looking at when you're in those situations and those daily occurrences and, and when we're together in meetings or when we're in those common spaces, you know, you kind of sit there and say, is anybody else say anything about that one big thing that we just, and then when no one says that thing, then it's a good indicator that we're probably not where we need to be. But if it's like, um, I do have a question, or I'd like to, you know, challenge your thinking on that, or um, perhaps we can look at it this way. Like there are certain kind of comments and things that happen in those interactions that let you know that there is a freedom to speak and there is that safety to say. And it's not just because of positional power that we're not going to go against this particular saying, this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the other thing that I kind of look for is um, there's this, uh, I guess there's that stickiness of uh, the camaraderie, right? That there is, you know, there's a little bit of that um, teaming and it's just not just work, but it's also those things that help me to feel a part of and include it. 
um, in the space that people are seeing me as a person and they want to get to know me and who I am, um, that they honor that and they appreciate that. But, you know, who I come into the space as is appreciated. And, and, and that's another thing that I look for. Like, who are you? Like you asked at the beginning, what, tell me something good that's happened back to you in the last seven days. Well, you're interested in me. And that's why I checked. And I said, personally, <laughs> I know a lot of personal stuff, but you're interested to know about me and what's going on with me. And that also speaks to that, that I can, I can come on and talk about, this was really important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just about what I'm doing at work in the nine to five, but there's something that's happening to me outside of work that is going to impact me and make me feel better about my space. And you welcome the mama back, you know, like, okay, you know, that's a little, that's a, a little bit of, a, of the stickiness that gets developed in uh, these relationships that are so necessary, I think, in a psychologically safe environment. So that's just kind of what I would say is things that I would look for. Yeah, it's good. So you want to build on that and then add to it, what do you see as barriers to psychological safety? I love what Diamond shared. Um, those are wonderful descriptions of characteristics of a psychologically safe environment. I would say it also a really good test of psychological safety is not only people pushing back or challenging ideas is when it's done in a way that's equitable meaning that it's not just the leader who's giving openly to others, but it goes the other way. And when, you know, managing up is not only tolerated, but expected, and that the leader has an expectation that they're going to be challenged by their followers as a means for growth and improvement of the success of the group, that to me is a critical piece. The leader plays a really important role. And when a leader is not open to receiving feedback or bad news or challenges or people who have different ideas or don't necessarily want to just go along with the group for the sake of expedience, that's a key piece. And the other part, when, when I see psychological safety showing up, in groups is when there is a question, concern, or a dissenting perspective that there's a pause. And oftentimes what I see is we're in such a hurry. We don't have time. We just, let's go. And everybody needs to stamp it so we can keep moving. And that is absolutely, I, uh, I think sometimes expedience is the enemy because reconciliation of the differences in ideology and point of view takes time to work through in a way that is going to help everyone feel whole at the end of it. And that doesn't mean that everybody gets their way. It means that we listen. And sometimes, you know, even in psychologically safe work cultures, all ideas can be acted on. But if everyone feels valued and heard and understands why their ideas are being acted on, you can still retain that level of psychological safety. But it takes time to do that. And I think that in a environment where it's fast paced, we have multiple competing priorities, oftentimes we don't just take the time. The other challenge that I see is that sometimes group members will put it all on the leader. Psychological safety is a group phenomenon. It is not just something that a supervisor makes happen. 
It happens within and across the group as well. And so of a supervisor, manager, leader can do all the right things to foster and facilitate a psychologically safe environment. But it is also co-created among the members. And one point of caution, you know, as you go into a new environment, before you render an opinion about whether it's psychologically safe or not, take some risks, try it out, see what happens. I think a lot of times, you know, we go to our heuristics, the mental shortcuts. And we, if you've ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, you know, we make a lot of snap decisions uh, in the first few seconds of interacting. And sometimes we do that when we enter a new work team as well. And we might be getting it wrong, you know? And I'll just share real quickly, I had an experience with a colleague and I didn't feel like, you know, what I was saying, what my team was bringing was valued or heard or understood or respected. And it really caused me to sort of be in this relationship with this person in a a very negative way. I learned later that that person was going through some very traumatic personal things and was really unable to concentrate and pay attention to what was going on in the interaction. So what I perceived as being dismissed, you're not hearing us, you don't value us, you don't respect us, was that they were saturated with things that were very overwhelming and very stressful for them. So I think we this idea of being open, staying open, uh, and allowing ourselves to have our own experiences about things. And sometimes we can also allow the experiences of others to shape and overshadow our ability to have our own experience within the group. So I would always advise, like when you're newly joining an organization, just you know, let it, let it, see how it feels. Just have your own, have your own experience with it. And, and the, finally, I would just say that we all have a role to play, every single one of us in a work group. And how do we foster and make a contribution to creating psychological safety? By being vulnerable, by taking risks, by being the one to step forward and be the dissenting view. See what happens. You know, there are risks. Yes. But You'll never get there as a group unless somebody steps forward first. This is good stuff. So I'm sure our listeners, as they are listening to Diamond describe sort of what she saw as key predictors of a psychologically safe um, environment, they're probably checking off. Yep, I got that in mind. Yep, I got that in mind. Uh, Nope, I don't have that in mind. (laughs) Um, But through the conversation that Sonia has added to us, you know, there's a couple of things that we can do. We talked about taking a beat. You know, just take a beat, take a pause. Everything doesn't have to be solved immediately. I'm talking about taking a risk, right? Stay open, be vulnerable, and form your own opinions. So as we think about those things and those tips for people, you can feel free to add more. But I'm curious to know, how do you all personally, because you've had some level of success, you know, people would look at you on our campus as senior leaders um, in our campus. And I'm curious to know, how do you personally build psychological safety for yourself? I think one that I always go to and what I've used in the past is that, you know, I I don't know everything. And so my shortcomings are things that I am okay in terms of the word being vulnerable and being okay to demonstrate those and being okay to model that. That in situations, there are times when I just don't know that this is, it's okay not to know. 
And it's okay to lean on others for the answer. The, the answer is always in the room. Someone always has some type of information to add to be able to get us to the next step. But I don't always have to be the person to know it. And so I think that that happens a lot when you're in a leadership role. You believe in error <laughs> that your title requires you to be the, ans- the person with all the answers. And sometimes that alienates your team and it creates a very suffocated environment for them. That creativity is not welcome. Innovation is not welcome. And that the only way that you can offer insight ideas is if you have a title. And leadership should not just be a title, right? So I think one of the things that I have found to be very helpful is to create spaces where we are all contributing and we are all providing insight and we can all bring our ideas. So being vulnerable and saying that I don't know and being able to say that, being able to create a culture that, you know, I I don't know all the answers. So I think the other thing is, you know, making those mistakes and owning those mistakes when you make a mistake. Um, I think that's also something in era that we do sometimes as leaders is that we don't make mistakes now. (laughs) You know, like I don't make a mistake. Oh, I make plenty of mistakes. And I think that what demonstrates a team that this is a psychologically safe environment is that when a mistake happens, I'm going to own it. I'm going to, you know, figure out how to fix it. I'm going to, you know, try and uh, amend or figure out what needs to be done to, to move forward, but being very open about mistakes that have been made. And I think the other thing that, um, and, and to, to deal with concerns head on and conflict head on, I think people appreciate in an environment that we have some very specific uh, norms or methodologies in terms of how do we handle challenges when they come. But when they do come, that I'm going to approach them um, with respect, uh, with a listening ear, but also with the um, goal that we're going to come to some type of um, agreement and conclusion on it so that we can move forward. You know, this is a human, you know, we're working in a space where there are just always going to be conflict or going to be some type of challenge that we have to address because we're human. Uh, I think like Sonia said, you know, she talked about an experience with someone who was having something personal happen to them. So we have to be thoughtful about there are going to be things that happen to us personally. And we bring that to the work environment that we have to be able to manage and navigate. But when they do happen, you know, people respect. And I think teams respect when we do have a breach in our community, that there is a method in which we're going to address it and that it's going to be done timely. Um, we're not going to let it belabor and fester and grow into something else, but I want to hear about what your what your harm was and we can have some conversation. So I think that those are the types of things that I, I would say that really kind of help my own personal experiences that, you know, own your mistakes, own your shortcomings and have a, a very um, head-on type of approach when challenges come. How do we address them? How do we deal with them? And how do we move forward? So yeah, I think those are my three. It goes back to something you said about the title of this show, Interruptions. And I think about a saying that I've always told my sons, that maturity is the distance you put between stimulus and response. And I think for me as a team member, as a subordinate, and as a leader, making sure that when I find myself triggered by something that someone does or says, that I take that moment to just process it, you know, and resist the urge to make assumptions. 
The other thing that has been very helpful for me personally as a as a leader of a team, but also in helping other leaders is also creating channels for people to give feedback that is anonymous. Without psychological safety, you're not going to get all of those perspectives necessarily put on the table. So when you get that anonymous feedback, like we're doing a workshop next week with uh, one of the the units um, in the organization, uh, we're going to give the people in that group the opportunity to share their perspective through a survey first, and then we're going to come back together and really talk about these experiences in generalizable ways so that then no one person is put on the spot. How the leader responds to the results of that is going to make all the difference about what happens next. And so um, I have found it very helpful when, when I do my Leader 360. I value that so much. And I've also bring my 360 results back to my group and say, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard from you. Here's what I heard from my colleagues. And I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm showing you everything because I need to be vulnerable too. And I need you to know that I see that I got some blind spots, some things that I know I need to work on as viewed by through the eyes of others. So it's that you know, ability and willingness to be self-reflective that I think has been really important for my growth. Yeah. I would work with either of you anytime. Feels very psychologically safe here. As we wrap up, like we could talk about this forever. People probably won't listen forever, but we'll talk about it forever. <laughs> um, but as a as a as a wrap-up before we do our like just final round round robin of final thoughts, and we think of this notion of interruption. They're probably leaders listening to this podcast thinking, hmm, I wonder, is my team psychologically safe? Do the team members on my team feel psychologically safe? Do I even feel psychologically safe, right? And so if you have any tips or or, um, tricks, I don't know if there are any tricks, but any tips for leaders that you could give to them so that they can start to maybe inquire into their teams about, what level of psychologically safe, psychological safety do they currently have? Um, just so that they can get a pulse and not just their own individual read. Sort of, if there are any tips that you guys would, would share about doing that, how to do that. Um, I know there are assessments and we'll link um, to some of the work that Amy Edmondson has done around assessments um, on the podcast. But if there are any tips or tricks that you guys have around helping leaders begin to inquire into their teams about where they are psychologically safe related. Um, can you share those with us as we begin to wrap up? And anybody can go first, either one of you. I think first is open the conversation, even just framing it by talking about what it is. And as leaders begin to explore their own knowledge and understanding of psychological safety, being able to share that with their group and put it on as an agenda item. And why it's important as we think about, you know, psychological safety is essential when access to knowledge is mission critical, when you're trying to retain talent, when you have diversity within your group, and the degree to which you can set high performance standards and continue to excel as a group. But those challenges are perceived not just not as a threat, but truly as a challenge and an opportunity for growth. And having those conversations, I think, is really important. 
Thank you, Sonia. Yeah, I would have to concur and agree. I think that it all starts with a conversation because you really won't be able to gauge and identify or determine whether or not your environment is psychologically safe without having that conversation. So I definitely think that leaders need to kind of be active and intentional, just as intentional we are about goals and setting goals and metrics and how we're going to measure them. This is also something that's just as important. So I think adding it to your agenda item, making sure that it's consistent, that people see it as just as important, um, that is not this fluff and stuff and just a thing. Because, you know, without the people engaged in the work, giving that discretionary effort, we, we will probably move much slower where we could move much faster if people were, were highly involved and engaged in it. I think kind of just reflecting on, you know, your own practices and what you do, like when you go to meetings yourself, are you concerned about speaking up because you don't want to appear ignorant of something or incompetent of something? Like gut check yourself, because a lot of times of how you respond in your own settings, maybe how you lead also. So I would just be thoughtful about being reflective and being a reflective practitioner about how am I showing up and how am I handling myself? And that can give a little bit of insight in terms of these are things that, you know, I may be perpetuating in my own meetings and in my own, you know, teams and how I'm engaging others. Um, like you said, there are surveys to self-assess and there's great ways to kind of just, you know, utilize an anonymous type of survey to do that. But, you know, once you have the data, what you're going to do with it, you know, you've got to be willing to take that next step um, and be ready to kind of launch into, you know, not all of them because it's going to be a lot. Um, and sometimes when we get data back, it's that, you know, knee jerk, oh, I thought everything was so much better than what it is. It's, it's not about you. And I think that's taking the person out of it. It's just like, you know, this is a great starting point. And now what? What, what can I do with this? And I think those are some of the things that you could possibly do in terms of just being self-reflective, having the conversation, and then, you know, thinking about ways that you can kind of gather some, some real good data and thinking about where's the next step for you to go forward. Diamond, you reminded me of another piece, which is just because you feel safe as a leader doesn't mean everybody else does. And position of power has a really important uh, influence on the degree to which we feel psychologically safe. You know, we see a lot of leaders who say, I don't know why anybody would not feel safe here because I feel great. I say whatever I want. But the, the level of risk and the perceived threat uh, varies by person. So just recognize that not everybody sees the world in the same, through the same lens. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for engaging in this discussion with me today. I am so concerned and I want to make sure that psychological safety doesn't just become a buzzword, you know, because you say it doesn't mean that it is so. And so thank you for the tips that you've given. Thank you for the thoughtful insights that you've provided. And I believe that folks have some good stuff that they can place in that space between the stimulant and the response. And so with that, I'll give you a final word. Sonia, is there anything you want to say to wrap up? Thank you so much for the format uh, to be able to have this discussion and uh, for Folks inside Georgia Tech just look for the psychological safety workshops. We're offering those uh, on a regular basis, and we can also make them customized for units. So we do a lot of unit level uh, workshops that give groups a chance to build on these kinds of topics together. 
uh, to really create a cohesive, productive, and thriving work environment. Thank you so much, Sonia. And Diamond. Yes, I love this quote. A river runs through, uh, cuts through a rock, not because of its power, but its persistence. And if you think about water and how important it is, um, I kind of liken it, you know, psychological safety to, to the water within that, that um, quote, because it takes time and it's going to take persistence um, in order to create those changes that you would see when water cuts through a rock. But it's worth it um, because you cut a new path and it's a great path forward. Thank you both. To our listeners, you have just been interrupted. Thank you so much. See you next time. 